0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now.
1: Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning. Happy hump day, everybody. It is May the 11th, 2022. It is 7.03 on your Tucson Wednesday. And welcome as you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And uh, plenty of stuff to uh, to talk about today. We've got a uh, a wonderful world of sports to uh, to discuss, and all kinds of things like uh, just a, a litany of of topics, whether they be uh, you know hundred percent sports related, like things that happened on the field, court, ice, whatever have you, and then there are some things that are you know, I guess tertiary. Uh, I, I, that's not a word I should be trying to say at seven o'clock in the morning. I'll be honest with you, uh, but you know business in the world of sports and one person cashed in yesterday hasn't even been able to cash a check yet but uh it's as good it's, it's like an IOU from uh from uh you know from Lloyd Christmas uh it's as good as money so uh we'll talk about Tom Brady's new contract because we talked about yesterday about his new deal with Fox he's going to be the lead analyst once he decides to finally hang up the cleats from the field and maybe the uh uh, the enticement of his new contract with Fox Sports will lead him to retirement earlier. Like, if you're his family, okay, if you're Giselle and the kids, and you say, Tom, Fox Sports is going to pay you double what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to, to pay you, you don't ever have to put on pads and a helmet, you don't have to have 300 pound men running full speed at you trying to break you in half. And you don't have to have the pressure of preparing day in and day out for an actual game that you're going to play in, just one that you're going to report on. And oh, by the way, did we mention they're going to pay you double what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to pay you? Well, maybe it's not double, but it's pretty damn close. It's a ridiculous amount of money. We'll talk about it coming up uh, in in today's show for sure, because I, I have some other thoughts. You know, just a lot of things uh, just around that one little snippet of news is like, man. That opens up a whole world of, of opinions and topics and things to talk about. The NBA playoffs, of course, in action last night. The Miami Heat take care of the Sixers. the Suns dominate the Mavericks, two games that were uh, decided by a combined 65 points. So not a whole lot of drama in the NBA last night, except in the Phoenix Suns game at the end where things got really chippy and a familiar face rose up and his ugly head uh, reared itself last night in Phoenix once again, much to the, uh, I guess, delight of the Phoenix fans who remember what a piece of trash he was while he was here with the Phoenix Suns, so we'll talk about that. Um, The the, the story from out of Memphis about John Morant with the bone bruise now sounds like he is done for the season. uh, Regardless of however many games are left for Memphis this year, he will not be playing in any of them. Uh, so really, really bad news, not only for the Memphis Grizzlies, obviously, but for the NBA. I mean, it's, he's an exciting player to watch, and you want to watch John Morant play in this postseason, especially against a, a great team like the Golden State Warriors. So it sounds like uh, he's done, and the Memphis Grizzlies may be done as well, even though I, I know I said yesterday that, you know, maybe to have the discussion if the Memphis Grizzlies are better without him because certainly uh, of how their style changes – when he's not out there on the floor, uh, they play a very, very different style of game, and, and it's been very successful for them. Um, but you don't take superstars off the floor and expect to win championships. That's just, that's just ludicrous to think that you're better without him. Uh, he's a young, exciting player, but they certainly play a different style, and they play very hard uh, even when he's not there. So they will, they will miss him. The league will miss him. The fans are, are going to miss him um but probably won't be for too long because i believe they're about to be eliminated by golden state. Uh that game is in Memphis tonight. They're going to be without Steve Kerr once again on covid protocols. He did not travel with the team, so Mike Brown at the helm once again. Um and uh we'll we'll preview some of the games uh, the two games that are going to be going on tonight in the NBA playoffs. Stanley Cup playoffs last night. Some uh, some results that we'll uh, we'll discuss. The NHL draft lottery was last night. We'll talk about that. Major League Baseball. There was some interesting and fun things going on in uh, in Major League Baseball last night. The Angels. What a what a fun team the Angels are to watch. I mean, they're not the best team in baseball by any stretch of the imagination, but man, they have got some really interesting and rare talent uh, mixed in that team. Of course, with Shohei and and Mike Trout, they get a no hitter from a rookie last night. Like it it is uh it, it's it's a fun team to watch uh, anthony rendon in his first ever major league left-handed at bat hits a home run uh, it's just it's it's a it's a fun team to watch we'll talk about some major league baseball as well and of course nfl a topic that uh, that i teased uh yesterday and during the the overnight promos and such the sophomore slump in you know in the NFL it happens in college it happens at the pro level it happens in all of the leagues the sophomore slump is real and there are a slew of players who were introduced to the NFL last year who are coming into their second season as pros in the uh, in the league and i'm going to give you my thoughts on who i think may be in in, in, you know essentially due for that sophomore slump some of them may not surprise you it just it's just a carryover from the previous year and a lot of it has to do with their surroundings and things like that but I do have some uh some thoughts on some uh, individual players mainly stars uh, or or what people feel to be future stars who uh who may be uh looking at a sophomore slump this season or breaking the trend of the sophomore slump and really kind of ascending to the next level. So we'll talk about that. So a whole lot of things to get into today on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. But we begin in Phoenix last night as the Phoenix Suns tune up the Dallas Mavericks to the tune of 110 to 80. A 30-point victory for the Phoenix Suns, holding the Dallas Mavericks to 80 points in the uh, in the game last night. And it was really the third quarter that did it for the Phoenix Suns, and I'll explain, you know, and, and kind of break down how all that went through. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank Monty Williams for listening to my show. I appreciate that, whether he was downloading it on the podcast or listening via the live stream or, or whatever. Uh, I'd like to thank him for uh, for listening to the show, as, you know, I've been talking about for the basically the last two days, last two shows, that I feel that Cameron Payne needs to be benched and that we could do without seeing JaVale McGee probably again in this series. And last night, uh, those two combined for, what did they they combine for, like eight minutes in the game last night? Normally they'd be combining for a lot more than that. Seven minutes, sorry. Seven minutes for those two. Last night, JaVale McGee played a a few minutes, um, gave up a three-pointer, and he was subsequently benched for the rest of the game. Cameron Payne came in for four minutes. Uh, got off one shot attempt, grabbed a rebound and that was it. That was his time on the floor as well. Um, now I was, you know, obviously Monty knows his, and I'm kidding of course, uh, about him listening to the show. It's, I'm just, I I think most people would watch the series and understand that those two needed to not be on the floor anymore. Uh, so I'm not going to take credit for that. I'm just tongue in cheek here, folks. Settle down. Um. Now, I did say that I felt that Aaron Holiday needed to get those minutes and not Landry Shamit, because I'm just – I'll just say this. I, I'm, I'm not the biggest Landry Shamit fan. I just – there's a reason why he's bounced around so much in his first, what, four seasons and five seasons in the NBA. He's, he's been with seven different teams. Uh, I, I, there's reasons for that. He's an inconsistent jump shooter. Sometimes he takes ill-advised shots. Uh, he is a, a an average defender. I'll say this though: last night, 19 minutes for Landry Shamet. He was he was dead nuts on last night, man. And I'm not talking about shooting. Defensively, he was fantastic last night. The ball pressure that he provided, the physicality that he provided on the ball, uh, it, it it was it was completely necessary for him to do that, uh, and and it was something that the Suns absolutely needed. When Chris Paul, once again, not having a good game, uh, let's just call it like it is, 35 minutes for Chris Paul last night, seven points. He did have 10 assists and would have had several more if, you know, look, and we'll talk about DeAndre here in a minute. Uh, finishing, DeAndre's finishing uh, in the last couple of game, games has not been great, and it's kind of rearing the, the – um, the old DeAndre that you know that F- Suns fans are accustomed to seeing, lack of authoritative finish, lack of of authoritative dominance, physical dominance, and honestly, you know, fans, and and I know that players and coaches will probably play this off, because, I you know it's it's one of those things where it's it's not about the way you score; it's just the fact that you score, and the only thing that matters are the points on the board. Fans want to see a seven-foot Hulk ripping the rim out of the backboard. Like, that's what that's what we want to see. It gets people fired up. It gets people engaged. It fires up teammates. It fires up the individual player who does that. DeAndre, as big and strong and as athletic as he is, continues to have, like, these soft kind of finishes when he should be ramming the ball as good. Forcefully as humanly possible through that cylinder, um, and he just continues to kind of flush it. You know, just, I'll just lay it in, just kind of drop the ball through the rim, and it's very smooth. I mean, he's you know he's very good at what he does. Obviously, twenty points last night, nine of thirteen shooting. Did have some problems catching the ball in traffic and finishing, but nonetheless, uh, you know, still able to do that. Grab three offensive rebounds last night, nine rebounds total. But there are plenty of times where fans and, – and, look, it's rightfully so. I'm, I'm not here to just sit here and, and, you know, tell you all about the greatness of DeAndre Ayton time in and time out. There are certainly my frustrations that I have with his game as well. And I think they're – while they are less than what most Suns fans have with him because I, I recognize the job that he does defensively and the things that they call on him to do and the fact that they, as a team – have really only been working on hi- working with him on the defensive side of the ball since he got to the organization because he was in such a massive hole defensively. Getting to getting to the Suns and and their style essentially is is really what was more the case there. It wasn't like you know he didn't know how to play defense or that Sean Miller didn't teach him anything at, at Arizona defensively. He certainly did. Uh, we saw DeAndre get a lot better throughout the season defensively at Arizona in his freshman year's only year. But when he got to Monty Williams' system, everything had to change. And it's a very, very difficult system for a center to play. Very difficult s- system. Uh, and he has embraced that. And he's had to work essentially on his offensive game on his own time. Like, that's just the, the, all the work with him, with the organization, has been defensively. And we've seen him become one of the better defensive centers in the league. And I know he won't get a whole lot of credit for it because he doesn't put up the big, gaudy numbers like a Rudy Gobert and such. But. I think if you ask Jason Kidd, <laughs> the head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, who the more difficult player to deal with is, I guarantee he will tell you DeAndre Ayton is the more difficult player to deal with offensively, you know, as far as attacking, you know, as a defensive player uh, than Rudy Gobert is. Rudy Gobert can be completely schemed out of games as long as you don't allow him to stand there underneath the rim and protect the rim, which he's probably the best in the league at. Uh, if you have to get him mobile, forget about it. He's he's toast. He's he's completely useless to his team. Uh, so you know the strides that he's made defensively and and the things that he does for for the Suns defensively can't be it really. It's it's very 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 difficult to measure. So I give DeAndre a lot of leeway on that. Offensively, his athleticism. He's able to do things that other centers in this league can't do. Other centers either have to rely on a complete post up game, back to the basket type of game or they have to rely on their outside jump shooting where they are essentially stretch centers, stretch fives, guys like Karl Anthony Towns, Nikola Jokic, guys like that, that that are, you know, completely dependent on that type of game. Deandre is a a old school pick and roll, rim running, athletic, you know, has I mean At Arizona, I don't think he ever dropped a ball. Like, he never dropped a pass at Arizona. And then you get to the NBA, and it's like drops wide open passes sometimes. I think it's just a lack of focus, honestly. You don't catch the ball. You got hands that are vacuum cleaners. It's just lack of focus, not catching the ball. But his ability to to run to the rim and open up things for his teammates and such, it's just it's it's his game, what he does quietly affects the outcomes of games. And it, it has... Time and time and time again. The Suns wouldn't be where they are without DeAndre Hayden. But there are times in the games where it's time to show that, like, hey, don't forget about the Hulk looming there in the paint wearing number 22 and where he just shatters a backboard, not literally, but, you know, figuratively, obviously. But he he doesn't – he like I said, I was talking to somebody last night. I said – if he played, he doesn't have Shaq's mentality. But if he played like Shaq, he'd be considered one of the five best players in the league. Because if he were, if he were to assert his dominance and use his strength and and anger, like get angry, like I said yesterday in the show, like get angry, like we need him to get angry, we need angry DeAndre. But Dre is he's a, a, I don't want to say lackadaisical because that is that's not a fair word to use for DeAndre. Ayton. Like I said last night, I was talking to some people last night who were watching the game. I said, look, he's from the Bahamas. He's got that laid-back type of attitude. And the way that he grew up in the game, he didn't grow up on the mean streets of Chicago or New York. He wasn't in Rucker Park cutting his teeth there. He was on a playground in the Bahamas where everybody loved him because he was the big, lovable you know, kid on the block. He was the most liked kid in the neighborhood. Everybody loved being around DeAndre. And they just they loved to play basketball with him. It was like, hey, basketball. And watch him because he was, you know, eight inches taller than everybody else. And he he just that's how he kind of grew up playing. So he never honed that, you know, that the bulldog mentality. So he's having to learn that at age twenty-two in the association with these guys who have grown up in the mean streets, you know, guys that are that are from, you know, Virginia and Los Angeles and Chicago and Philadelphia and New York and places where basketball has been a lifestyle for decades, for 60, 70 years. And these are, these are people who have grown up in legacies and generational type of families who have played basketball, who understand that, it requires a little bit of meanness to get your point across if you're not going to be a, a Steph Curry, a finesse type player, right? But it's weird because we don't, you know, it, it's it's it, the optics are strange because you look at DeAndre and he's he's a legitimate seven feet tall, he is sculpted out of stone with muscle rippling out of his body. He's obviously very, you know, a very well built young man. He's got. Big, strong tree trunk legs. He runs the floor well. All these things. He's got all these athleticism. And then he catches the ball and just kind of like goes up and just kind of drops it in the rim. And people are like, rip the damn thing off the. You know, I mean, people get excited because they see this monster of a human being and he just kind of just drops it in there. Now, I'm not saying that that's wrong. I'm not saying that, obviously, if he missed every shot that way, you would want to say, okay, you got to go up with two hands, you got to jam it. He's scoring, and he is. I was telling somebody last night. I said, you know, DeAndre's game right now is better than Amari Stoudemire's ever was. And as as great as Amari Stoudemire was as a Phoenix Sun, DeAndre Ayton's already better than, than Amari Stoudemire ever was. You know, it, it took Amari several years to develop that mid-range jump shot, the the ability to hit the fadeaway from fourteen feet away to pull up at the free throw line, stop and pop kind of thing, which made him one of the most dangerous scorers in the league at that time because he was, you know, and, and Amari to his credit, a very ruthless player down low. He was tough. Like he was, he was nasty when it got down into the paint there, into the zero area. So to his credit. You know, and he developed, that, he developed that scoring, the distance scoring, a little bit later in his career, and he was very good at it. But DeAndre's already great at, at, at those kinds of I mean, watch the game last night. He <laughs> was like, okay, he can score from all kinds of different angles, arm angles, shoulder angles, back to the basket, front to the basket, moving, st- uh, st- catching and, and shooting, uh, just creating your own shot. He does all kinds of things offensively. He's, his game is uh, insane. But I think everyone on planet Earth, including apparently Reggie Miller, Reggie Miller and Shaquille O'Neal, who even commented on it uh, after Game 4, did they want to see this man, this Hulk, ripping the rim out of the backboard from time to time? And Suns fans want to see it. Suns fans get excited. I was in a, a room full of them last night. And everybody, as soon as he caught the ball in traffic, it was like the anticipation for a big play was there. And it just never finished the way that fans want to see it. Like, the, you see the highlight reel, dunks and all this other stuff, and he's not going to go flying through the lane and jumping over people and posterizing people, but damn, you got to throw one down hard every now and then. And then <laughs> then after the game, to go on the radio interview and say that I wish I would have been there for the fight between Bismarck Payambo and Marquise Chris, which we'll talk about here in a moment. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny because I think the last person – on that court, the last person in that building to want to throw hands with anyone is DeAndre Ayton. So, I'm like, you know, uh, yeah, okay. He said he, he said he needed that energy. That's fine. You know, maybe get mixed up or separate some people. You ain't getting into no fights with Marquise Chris, I guarantee you. I, I know DeAndre Ayton. He, he ain't fighting anybody. Reed Travis challenged him to a fight at Stanford and he just turned around and walked away. Like, Okay, I wouldn't want to fight Reed Travis either. That guy's insane. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll start breaking down some of the things that the Suns did last night that were so good, the reason why they won that game by 30 points. Devin Booker, his influence on the game, it cannot be overstated. He was miraculous last night. And, I, and I, stats won't even show it, but just how good Devin Booker was, and I'll explain how and why next right Right here here on the Jeff Dean show
0: the Jeff Dean show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos Desert Diamond is true Tucson now back to the Jeff Dean show on 1490 AM 1049 FM ESPN Tucson welcome back
1: to the Jeff Dean show talking Suns basketball as you heard right here on ESPN Tucson last night. They get the victory over the Dallas Mavericks in Game Five, take a series lead three to two. Now are one win away from punching their ticket to the Western Conference Finals, where they will likely square off against the Golden State Warriors. But uh, they, Memphis, might be game for another win. I would like to certainly like to see them push the uh, the the Warriors a little bit farther in that series, so they're not so well rested by the time it comes to play the Suns. Would like to see a little more competitive uh you know fire from the from the grizzlies not that they haven't been competitive but i'd like to see them push that series it's it's tough to beat the dubs though man those are they're champs they're, they're champions up and down with the, the contributions it's funny mike brown their head coach the interim head coach after the game <clears throat> gave props to andre Iguodala, who didn't even play a minute in the game but basically said he ran the bench for me like he, he, it's like having another coach there uh, so that was that was huge for them, and so we'll see if uh, if Memphis can stave off elimination tonight. So last night you know, the Suns didn't get off to a good start. They they were turning the ball over again in the first quarter, and I'm like, oh my god, here we go again. This is this is ridiculous. They weren't able to get the stops that they needed at times. It just didn't look good. Offensive flow wasn't great, but Devin Booker kept them in the game. They had twelve points in the first quarter. It was all about Book in the first quarter. Everybody else was kind of ice cold. Nobody really knew, you know, where to go. People, guys getting run off their spots, and Dallas was scrambling. I mean, they were playing hard, obviously. But it was Devin Booker who, who really took this game over. And, and look, he has, he, he's been really good in game fives in his career. In his short playoff career, when, when, the, when the series is tied at 2-2, that's when Devin Booker seems to be at his best. In Game 5 last year against the Lakers in the first round when it was 2-2, he scored 30 points in 32 minutes and a blowout victory for the Suns. NBA Finals, and I've mentioned this, you know, his play in in Games 4 and 5 of the NBA Finals several times in talking about this postseason. But when the series was tied 2-2 and he went for 40 again in Game 5, was a huge reason, you know, uh, you know, gave the Suns an opportunity to win that game. They didn't, but uh, gave him an opportunity to to get in that game. And then, of course, there was last night: twenty-eight points, eleven of twenty from the field, seven rebounds, two assists, two steals, only committed two turnovers, and the offense ran through him quite often. And it wasn't so much about offensively, and and he was really really good offensively. And and I thought Monty Williams gave the perfect and he should he's coach of the year two-time coach of the year and he he should know exactly what he's talking about when when he said you know devin was getting to his spots easily getting to his spots and when he said that devin booker is a unique scorer in this league it's he's 100 percent true i mean devin booker is such a great shooter in rhythm from the mid range, it's like he's like it's like watching a throwback player. He is such a joy to watch, but when Devin Booker is able to get to his spots, and he was last night with ease, he is unstoppable. And it wasn't a game where he was going to go off for seventy because in the postseason, those kinds of things don't happen. <laughs> uh, you're going to get crushed like he did in uh, you know in a, in a in a in a layup attempt later in that game. Uh, by Dorian Finney-Smith, we'll talk about that coming up in a bit as well. But I, I just thought that Devin Booker, not only offensively, and he, and he did carry the Suns offensively for most of that game. Uh, defensively, again, something that is not going to go noticed. It's not going to be logged into the box score, the statistics. You can't you can't gauge it off of any kind of a number unless you get really really deep into metrics and things like that and looking at how many times he was on the ball versus how many times they scored and all this. But he was physical defensively, and he was on point. Like, when I said yesterday that individually everyone, every man on that team needs to step up individually, they all need to elevate their game. I felt like he was the only one (laughs) last night, and they won by 30. Now, they did have some good... Uh, some good minutes by role players Bismack Mayombo played a great game last night Landry Shamit, as you know as I mentioned before and they got a nice night from Mikel Bridges as well uh as as a couple of other players and obviously Deandre with his 20 um getting you know getting his feet wet as well but um it was Devin Booker who who really was just the, the he was the man last night <laughs> that's just uh, there's no no doubt about it um He was constantly on the ball. They said, we're going to put you on the ball. I want you to pressure the ball. And when you're not in there, Landry Shamit's going to take over that role, and he's going to pressure the ball. And I thought Monty Williams, his game plan was perfect for last night. Obviously, win by 30, uh, hold a team to 80 points, a really, really good offensive team to 80 points. That's not easy to do. So uh, Devin Booker was the man last night, and he elevated his game in a night that he had to, and I felt like, even though he was 11 of 20 from the field. I thought that was a really, really efficient 11 of 20. There was one ill-advised shot, but it was a little bit later in the, in the shot clock. Totally, I'm totally fine with that. Like I said, I'm fine if Devin Booker wants to take over a game and shoot the ball 32 times. I have no problem with that at all. I have 100% support uh, of, of him shooting the ball 32 times in a game if he needs to. If he needs to go full Kobe Bryant on somebody, go for it. I I'm, I'm totally he's the only one I'm okay with you know, on that team doing that. But it was his his savvy play, he was smart, he was physical, he was tough and he played every minute like it was his last and I I just I can't I can't applaud his play more. It cannot be overstated the job that he did last night. And in the Suns 33-14 third quarter last night which was the the dam breaking on the on the Dallas Mavericks in their attempt to win Game Five, during a seventeen zero run, it was Devin Booker really not even scoring a whole lot in that period that got them there, and that was uh, that was just you know I felt like that was indicative of just how good of a job he does on other things other than just shooting the basketball, so props to him. He was fantastic. The Suns won every single statistical metric in game five except for free throws. Field goal attempts, field goals made, field goal percentage, three-point field goals made, three-point field goal percentage, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, fast break points, points in the paint. They won every single statistical category except for free throws. Big surprise. come to expect that. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll continue to talk some association. There uh, there was more action in the NBA last night. Could that be the end of the Philadelphia 76ers? What happened to the James Harden we saw from Game 4? And we'll talk about tonight's matchups as well. Stay tuned here to the Jeff Dean Show.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: All right, so elsewhere last night in the association, it was it was a, an absolute beatdown in Miami as the Heat melt the Sixers by 35 last night. I mean, and that game was never close. Like, in the Suns game last night, at least – that game was close. Dallas had a lead in the first quarter. The game was it was a three-point game at, at at halftime. Like it was it was close until the Suns absolutely blew the doors wide open in uh, in the third quarter. But last night in Miami, it was a beatdown from the get-go, from the jump. Uh, Miami held a 12-point lead going into the second quarter, a 12-point lead at halftime and then just continued to grow that lead until the 76ers gave up. They quit in the fourth quarter of that game. And were outscored 39 to 19 by a bunch of scrubs. And that has got to be absolutely embarrassing for Doc Rivers and for that team. Now, in game four, people were talking about the resurgence of James Harden. I like think that's that's the James Harden that we remember. What do you have? Sixteen. I think sixteen in the fourth quarter was unstoppable. Last night, thirty-seven minutes. 5 of 13 from the field, scored 14 points, was minus 29 on the plus-minus board. Minus 29. Ouch. Only got to the free throw line three times. The Sixers only got to the free throw line 15 times, which for Philadelphia, that is that's a, a very, very low number. Joel Embiid only had three uh, free throw attempts. He did not look himself, especially after getting hit in the face, um, I, I think got hit in face by the ball. Wasn't it the ball that kind of hit him? Like there was uh, kind of a uh, a scrap for for a loose ball, and I don't remember who it was from the from the Heat um, that kind of smacked the ball going for it and hit the ball and then hit the face of Joel Embiid, and he was down for a minute. And uh, he only had 17 points, so not a good game. I, I mean, from anyone in that uh, in that organization last night for Philadelphia and Doc Rivers after the game basically said I'm going to watch the film because I have to but then I'm going to burn it because that's how bad it was um and look that series now 3-2 Miami leads that series it's going to go back to Philadelphia but I just I, I don't see Philadelphia climbing out of this hole they they have not been able to do it in the past Doc Rivers has not been able to figure out how to how to win series after losing two in a series what is he is he one one in 11 in series where his team has lost two games? That's insane. <laughs> that's that's really bad. Really bad. So this is uh this is you know kind of par for the course at this point. And Philadelphia going to have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what went wrong by the time this thing's over. Miami's just the better team. They can't stop they they can't stop uh Jimmy Butler. He Twenty-three points last night felt like fifty, the way that he was playing. Like he, he wasn't missing. He was getting to the free throw line. He also had three offensive rebounds. He couldn't keep him off the glass. He was distributing. He had six assists last night. He was everywhere. Like he, he was, he was. Like, he was plus thirty-six in the plus-minus board. I don't know if I've seen that before. That's ridiculous amount. Plus thirty-six, but that twenty-three that he scored felt like fifty for them, and uh, and and. <laughs> I know that he's, he's starting for them and everything, but Max Struess, where in the hell did he come from? I, I mean, like, who are these people? I, Eric Spolstra continues to amaze me at how well he can coach Like, whatever pieces he has. like He doesn't need superstars. The one superstar that he has, Jimmy Butler, is one of the biggest malcontents in the NBA. If things, if things don't go his way for five seconds, he throws a tantrum. It's he's a difficult player to deal with. He's a really good basketball player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, certainly Philadelphia like to have him back. Probably right about now. But he's their one superstar. And then you got a bunch of guys who just like <laughs> let's throw PJ Tucker in there. Let's you know Bam Adebayo is a good player and he's he's a young player and he, he's going to go through his growing pains. But he's a good player. But then you got Max Struess and, and uh, uh, Dedmon and Tyler Hero and. Let's throw Victor Oladipo in there. And all of a sudden, Duncan Robinson's getting minutes in the postseason when he's like well, the worst defender in the NBA. <laughs> like, he just, Eric Spolster continues to amaze me with how he can just take whatever pieces from, uh, you know, from whoever and just throw it together. Honestly, it's like, it's like, it's kind of like watching Dana Altman. And I have a lot of respect for Dana Altman as as Oregon's head coach because every single year, that dude loses seven players from his team. Every year. Whether they now transfer, or they graduate, or they move on to the NBA, they're one and done's, or they're injured for a year, which happens for some reason to a, a, several of his players uh, over the last few years as well. But he goes out into the transfer portal, we'll get like five guys, transfers, he'll bring in some new recruits, and they will struggle. We watch or every single year. Oregon does the same thing. It's, it's the same story with Oregon. They'll lose to Cal Poly early in the season, and then – by the end of the year, they're the favorites to win the Pac-12 tournament. If it's not Arizona, like he just he, he can take any collection of players and turn them into a team of ballers. And Eric Spolstra has done that. Like when he was hired as the head as the head coach, when it was the Big Three with LeBron and Wade and Bosh and all this, like he didn't have to do anything. But he he, he learned from Pat Riley and said, "You're going to be the guy. You're, you know, you're going to be my dude." And he has built. Just a dynasty there in Miami. They are, they're they're not the funnest team in the league to watch by any stretch of the imagination, but man, are they good! Uh, and they just put a beat down on Philadelphia last night in front of the home fans. And I, I listen, Philadelphia may may be able to wrestle away and and get enough emotion to win a game in Philadelphia, but there's no way in hell they're winning Game Seven in Miami. No way and it sounds like Miami's going to move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, they'll face the winner of whomever emerges from that. Uh, There's no other way to to say it. It is like a heavyweight prize fight between Milwaukee and Boston. That series has been a hell of a lot of fun to watch because there's just haymakers being thrown back and forth and back and forth at one another. It has been an exciting uh, series to watch. That game is this afternoon. It'll be 4 o'clock on TNT. That series is tied at 2-2. And then later tonight, the, uh, the game five in Memphis, Golden State going for the series win to try to close out the Grizz. I think the Grizz win tonight. I think they're able to get up enough emotion, play some good defense, get some role play. If Desmond Bain can start scoring again, he hasn't been scoring in this, in this series. And maybe that was the design of Steve Kerr and the Warriors to do that. Uh, but if he can get more than eight he can get more than eight points like they've been getting out of Desmond Bain, uh they get a good shot of winning that game. And I think they will. I think they'll extend that series at least one more game, maybe send it to a game six back in San Francisco. Uh that'll be on Friday night. The Suns and the Mavericks getting a little chippy with one another in their series, as last night, near the end of the game with a few seconds remaining, Bismack Biombo, who played himself one hell of a game last night. Uh, going up for a dunk, look, he's a a bench player, he's a scrub, he's the third-string center on that team. You take no exception to players kind of wanting to get theirs in the postseason that aren't going to get a whole lot of minutes. Well, Marquise Chris, who, of course, a former first-round draft pick of the Phoenix Suns back in 2016 was a huge bust, was completely terrible with his team, got into all kinds of trouble when he was here. Nobody liked him when he was here. Uh, And I honestly didn't even think he was in the league anymore (laughs) until he showed up. On the Mavericks roster, I was like, "Oh, is that Marquise Chris?" Well, he took exception to Bismack Biyombo trying to get a, a late second dunk in a thirty-point game last night and completely clubbed him over the head as he was going up for the dunk. Then, afterwards, as Bismack had, you know, had taken his taken his licks, he was going to go head to the free throw line to shoot some free throws. Marquise Chris decided to say something to him that Biyombo did not like, and he turned around and was ready to go. Now, Marquise Chris is a big dude, strong kid, okay, looks, looks physical. I guarantee you that he did not want any of that smoke from Bismack Biyombo. I would not mess with Bismack Biyombo. not that I would mess with anybody. I'm just saying, like, you couldn't pay me enough money. That guy builds hospitals for a living and was looking to put Marquise Chris in one last night. Like, do not mess with Bismack Bayambo. So Marquise Chris, after being ejected from the game, goes down the Suns' tunnel looking for looking for trouble, looking for action. And thankfully security was there to separate him and stuff and get Bismack Bayambo. Because, see, Bismack Bayambo had, it, you know, basically Chris had called him out in the in the tunnel, and Bayambo had turned around to be like, all right, let's do this. That is not a fight that Marquise Chris would have won. Because I've seen NBA players fight, it's usually a windmill slap fight for the most part. Bismack is going to throw hands, like he's <laughs> do not mess with that dude. That was uh, that was a bad move for uh, for Marquise Chris. And then Luca walking off the court basically calls out the sun, looks at the sun's bench, and says, "Oh yeah, y'all are tough when you're up. Listen here, softy." I hope they I hope they knock him in I hope they knock him through the boards in uh, in Dallas on uh, on uh, tomorrow night on Thursday night. I hope they punish him and I mean punish him hard, make him feel it while he's eating his ice cream and cookies in the offseason wondering why he's sitting at home watching the rest of the NBA playoffs, getting fat and getting ready to be coming into the NBA uh, season next year out of shape once again for the third year in a row. All right, we'll take a timeout, When a return, some Stanley Cup playoff action. The NHL draft lottery was last night. We'll talk about all that. So we've got a whole lot more to do here on the Jeff Dean Show right here on ESPN Tucson.
0: The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson.
1: A quick rundown of the Stanley Cup playoffs as it stands right now. Last night, some of the uh, results. Carolina thumps Boston 5-1, Anti Ronta was fantastic in net last night as Carolina takes a 3-2 lead in that series. Toronto beats Tampa, and the champs are on the ropes now as Toronto leads that series 3-2. St. Louis Blues go into Minnesota to take that series lead. They win 5-2 against the Wild last night up in Minnesota. That series shifts back to game six in St. Louis. And then an upset is brewing possibly as the Los Angeles Kings now own a 3-2 series lead over the Edmonton Oilers. And the Kings went into Edmonton yesterday, last night, and uh, they beat the Edmonton Oilers 5-4 in overtime. Jonathan Quick uh, continues to just <laughs> go about his business as the goalie for the Kings. Like he's been there forever. Three games in the, uh, in the Stanley Cup uh, playoffs tonight. As the Pittsburgh Penguins go for their uh, series clincher against the Newark, New York Rangers, that'll be at the Garden uh, as Pittsburgh leads that series 3-1. to one. The Washington Capitals are in South Florida tonight to take on the Panthers as the Panthers try to take the series lead in that as that series is tied 2-2. And Dallas at Calgary, been kind of a, a weird defensive kind of series, and uh, the, uh, the Stars are up in Alberta taking on the Flames tonight. That series also tied at 2-2 the nhl draft lottery occurred last night the arizona coyotes had the second highest odds so naturally they finished third <laughs> in the lottery the montreal canadiens the uh, they had the the number 1 uh, opportunity they had the highest odds of getting the uh, the number 1 overall pick and the Habs do end up getting the number one pick, followed by the New Jersey Devils, who will pick second, the Coyotes third, followed by the Seattle Kraken, who will pick fourth, and the Philadelphia Flyers will pick fifth in the upcoming NHL draft on July 7th and July 8th. Um, if you're wondering, no. There is not a uh, an a Austin Matthews or a Connor McDavid or a Sidney Crosby in this draft. It is a. It's kind of like the NFL draft was this year. It's like... There's a couple of good players, a couple of, you know, maybe, you know, possible franchise changers, you know, as far as people that are going to be if they, if they, you know, buy in and can continue on their upward swing. After that, it's a bunch of role players and guys that will just kind of fill out the roster, fill out your lines and stuff like that. So um, not a whole lot of star power in this upcoming draft, and that's, you know, it's okay. It's nice to have that sudden influx of talent like we had when Matthews and McDavid came into the league, but doesn't happen every year. doesn't happen every year in any of the sports, so – Fed some downers in the nba draft too all right that is going to wrap up our number one today's edition of the jeff dean show we come back in our number two we'll talk some nfl lots of nfl to talk today some local news what's going on with the arizona wildcats and some of the sports on campus and a whole lot more so stay tuned here to the jeff dean show just a quick little two-minute turnaround we'll be right back here on 1490 AM, 104.9 fb espn tucson now to
0: a sports center This is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, K285DL1049FM Tucson, and KMXC HD4.